Hey guys, I had a fun time with the System Is Down podcast. We talked about church and faith, spirituality, depression, and all that sort of stuff. It was very fun. It was an engaging conversation. And sometimes when I have engaging conversations on other people's podcasts, it just makes me so happy because it's just fun. There's no pressure. You don't have to carry anything. You're just in someone else's house. They want to talk to you. All you got to do is just take a deep breath, relax, talk. And you know what? They want you to clown around. They want you to be crazy because it's good for their show. So I try to let loose It's kind of like a favor to the host. So enjoy this episode that I recorded a little while back with the System Is Down podcast and go check out those guys as well. Uh, Just a reminder that we are keeping this feed open so I can continually update you guys with new happenings and things going on, some big projects that I don't want to talk about right now, but I do want to keep the Pastor With No Answers listeners listening uh, because I want y'all to know what's going on. Uh, for those of you that I, I, there is also content that I am uh, creating that is going on at the BC Club. It's Pastor With No Answers type content, and I want you to have access to that as well. So what I need for you to do is go to uh, facebook.com slash bcpastor, like it, and I'm going to leave some instructions there very soon for you to track down some of the content that you have missed, uh, given that I have kind of shifted it on over to our BC Club, which is Bad Christian Club, some folks that support our larger podcast. And I'm just wanting to condense my efforts there because I do not have all the time in the world. All right. Thank you and enjoy The System Is Down with Joey Svensson. Welcome to The System Is What's up, Downers? Welcome back to the least comfortable show on the web. You know what it is. You know the name and the place. It's The System Is Down, where we talk about all the uncomfortable topics, the things that might trigger you, the things that might get your panties in a wad, the things that need to be discussed but seldom are because of their uncomfortable nature, things like conspiracies, politics, and religion. And if you're new here, go find the person who invited you, give them a big hashtag me too, kiss on the mouth and a slap on the rear from me because I appreciate you being here, of course, and from you because I think you're really going to enjoy today's conversation. And if you're one of the many people that tune into the show every single Monday morning for your weekly dose of discomfort, welcome back. Always a pleasure to have you. Today's episode is my conversation with the great Joey Svensson, who is not only a pastor, but he is uh, one of the co-hosts of the Bad Christian Podcast and the main host of the Pastor With No Answers Podcast. He's also an author, and he does a whole bunch of fascinating things, and he's got a great story that I can really relate to. He has, I feel like we had similar upbringings, personally, um, coming from Pentecostal Christian backgrounds, very fundamentalist. Um, in coming to different conclusions in our life, the difference is that he has 
uh, depression and he's uh, he's fought um, OCD his whole life and all sorts of fun stuff that makes for this perfect storm that has been his life. But uh, it was a great conversation and we're going to jump into it here in about 35 seconds before we do. I got to remind you guys to go. Please join the Downers Club. Uh, you can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash the system is down and signing up for as little as a cup of coffee a month. That is five dollars only a month and you'll get our uh, our whole catalog of bonus audio and video content that we do every single week often multiple times a week so go check that out help keep the show getting bigger and better more beautiful as we move into the 2019 uh, year that will be better than 2018 we can all hope so patreon.com forward slash the system is down go check it out all right here's my conversation with the great joey svensson Let's get weird. My guest today is uh, pastor, podcaster, and author Joey Svensson. Joey, how's it going, man? Good, man. Good. I have been podcasting literally all day. <laughs> yeah. What else do you have going on? Uh, I did uh, an interview with someone. It was super interesting. The podcast was called The Bible Says What? Question mark, question mark. And I had no idea what it was about, where the host was coming from. So we were talking about spirituality, <laughs> the Bible, and all that stuff. Come to find out, I was thinking that I was offending him by my progressive theology. And all along, he is a deconstructed, completely Christian who is now an atheist who gotcha. was offended. By, he wasn't offended <laughs> by my spiritual beliefs, but I, it was really interesting to not know you weren't progressive where he was enough coming for him. from. <laughs> right, right. And then I recorded... Uh, like three or four bad Christian episodes. So it's been a podcasting nice. day. Yep. Well, nice. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, working this into your busy schedule. Um, we've yeah, been man. we've been talking about it for almost a year now, but yeah. glad we finally picked down a time. It's great. Um, but yeah, I, I read your book, and that's the main reason I wanted to have you on the show to discuss. And sure. um, I, I know that I I feel like a lot of uh, our um, our childhood was very similar to each other and uh, had a lot of similar results. Mine, not nearly. To the extreme of yours after reading right. your book, yeah. but um, what so, are you trying to say, man? <laughs> uh, I, I think you know. I think you've re- <laughs> you've read it. You know what's in right. there. But uh, I, I told my wife last night. I was like, "This book is like, in a good way, the most cringe-inducing thing I've ever read in my life, and it's fantastic. Oh. I loved it. <laughs> uh, it was very, very good and easy read." Um, so let's just start from the beginning. Like I always like to get people's background, their upbringing. Uh, tell tell everybody like where you were as a childhood growing up, and you know like what your family structure and dynamic was. Yeah, I mean, ever since I could remember, I was being raised to have spiritual lenses of some sort because by the time I was old enough to remember, my parents had had a genuine conversion. It initially started when we were in the Catholic Church, and so I remember kind of my parents being a little uneasy with Catholicism, but they didn't want to make a quick jump, so to speak. But, I mean, for people that aren't familiar with Catholicism, there's definitely a legalistic side of it, and yet 
the legalism doesn't really come from the Bible because you're not really reading the Bible either. But that that's when a lot of crazy notions, I think, started to take place. Like I'll give you one example. And that was that I remember feeling obligated to tell my dad when he asked me who I thought was the most beautiful woman in the world. And he's got his arm around my mom (laughs) thinking that it was an easy answer. And I said, well, mom, except for the Virgin Mary. And I really felt like that was my obligation to say that. Like I felt like I would be disobeying God by not saying that. So that was how I, you know, I started looking at the world spiritually just through a legalistic viewpoint. And then when they started looking for other churches, we went the complete, the pendulum swung in the opposite direction and we were in Pentecostalism. But unfortunately, the legalistic pendulum did not swing at all and probably just got a little bit deeper and thicker. And next thing you know, I'm constantly thinking about being assured of my salvation, scared of hell and and all of that. And I I, I would say that I haven't been free from all of that maybe for about five years, maybe. Yeah. 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 uh, Pentecostal here. Dad was a pastor and everything. Yeah. Um, um, well, I, I was Pentecostal, but yeah. <laughs> similar upbringing, but, right. uh, with the legalism, was that instilled in you by your folks? Like, did that, uh, did that come from the, the spirituality or, uh, I know you had like OCD and all that, but, right. um, were they, were they dogmatic about their faith or was that just a result of your, your mental, uh, state? Yeah, well, interestingly enough, my parents did contribute to that, but I don't, I don't see them in a negative light because they were just going through the motions with what they were learning at the time as well. And if anything, they were seen as kind of rebellious in our church circles because they let my brother and I listen to Christian metal and things with a beat. They let Mm -hmm. my brothers, uh, you know, my parents let my brother have long hair and, you know, we could do different things with our fashion and some of that stuff was really looked down upon. So, you know, on one hand, maybe my parents brought a a healthy element into all of it, but my mom read the book and definitely felt burdened and even articulated. I feel like some of this is my fault. And even though I know there's some truth to that, I don't see it in that way. And I, and I've told her specifically, I was like, mom, your mothering, I don't see in any other light but positive. So Absolutely. you're just going to have to get that out of your head. Um, but no, I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music, wasn't allowed to see any movies mm-hmm. beyond PG and, you know, all those sorts of things. So, yes, there was like a and then I was in a ministry drama team at my youth group and we actually had a contract that we had to sign promising that we wouldn't listen to secular music, watch certain, you know, PG 13 movies. We had a curfew. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I just, just embedded in a legalistic culture, my whole childhood. So, yeah. Fun, fun stuff. Yeah. Fun stuff, man. (laughs) Yeah. And in your book, you talk about the, I mean, just the OCD stuff, just weighing you, tearing you apart, basically, yeah. over and over again. Like you said, just yeah. freaking out about uh, spirituality. I don't think I had any OCD or anything, but uh, worrying about salvation on a regular basis and right. that being an unhealthy state. Yeah, and I think the I think the mental illness exaggerated those sorts of things. I mean, I, how I articulate it to people is the the mental illness takes what is already on the forefront of your mind and makes it uh, feel more urgent, more severe, 
more problematic. So where some people would maybe have like a, and I've got the quote fingers up, like a natural fear of their eternal soul. Mine turned very OCD from a standpoint of when I asked God to save me, I needed to write it down. And then if I ever was convinced that that actually didn't happen, I would refer to that piece of paper and say, well, it had to have happened because I wrote it down and then I would put a check mark on it. But then sometimes I could be convinced that all of that was a sham and I'd have to throw that piece of paper away and kind of start all over. And then, you know, sometimes I'd be convinced that I wasn't even awake when I said it or I wasn't sincere or I didn't address God appropriately. And I said, Jesus, I should have said God. I said God and I should have said Jesus or I didn't really mean it. And so that's I think that's where the OCD parts came into where I explained that to somebody else. And they're like, my gosh, that sounds crazy. And be like, yeah, it was very crazy. (laughs) Literally. Yeah. Uh, Right. But yeah. And in the uh, in the the Pentecostal realm, it's I'm a very not emotional person. Uh, I listen to your podcast and stuff. You seem like you're more uh, emotional than I am and easier to get into that side of things. But um, for me, I I had big issues with the fact that everything was about feeling. Everything was about different emotions. I I can't like that bothered me as a child. I can't even imagine like having OCD, like I don't having all, all that with a emotional heightened on top of everything. And then uh, feeling like you have to say things a certain way for them to uh, actually, you know, have any meaning to uh, the creator. (laughs) Right. Right. It was it was absolutely uh, crippling. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's no other way to put it. Now, I am happy to say that when I look back on my childhood and teenage years and college years, I don't see it as like an altogether rotten mess because I thank thank the Lord I had a healthy household in which my parents loved me. We went on vacations. They spent Mm -hmm. time with us and I had a great brother and all of that. But, you know, I I have definitely spent some time now as an adult mourning what was lost through all of that bondage. Like I, I literally feel like there was a lot that was robbed of me, such as just a no- normal four years of high school. Right. You know, I, I couldn't engage in relationships normally. Like I, uh, you know, a few examples are, uh, you know, if I'm in a circle of, of dudes and someone says an inappropriate joke, I felt compelled to have a frown on my face <laughs> because if I fed into that joke and smiled, then I lost my witness and frowning for Jesus <laughs> was accountable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, um, like, what was your, what was kind of um, your vision of God? Like, how did you perceive God at at this point in your life? I mean, it couldn't have been anything personal except for like, you know, just wrath. It's it's interesting because uh, I I think that as an adult reflecting on that, may it, maybe the best way of putting it was that God did love me, but He was constrained through a particular system that even he had to work within. So, for example, what was so troubling to me is I was just like any other human being that was trying to have faith in something, which meant I lacked it often. 
But then when I read the Bible and I read that you receive Jesus through faith, I'm like, well, I'm lacking faith. So I obviously haven't been able to receive Jesus. And then that circle just kept repeating over and over. So I didn't see God necessarily as like an angry, pissed off God that wanted to send me to hell as much as I saw salvation and faith and all of that as like a formula that him and I were working within. And, um, you know, I I remember coming to some revelations, which I would imagine would be God saying, dude, you got to get out of this. And one time I realized, um, again, I think it was God. It was basically, dude, there's no such thing as trying to ask me for salvation. You don't try. You either do or you don't. Like, I'm everywhere. I hear you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm omniscient. I'm omnipotent. I'm omnipresent. I I got this covered. So if you're saying something to me, you don't need to second guess your intentions or anything. I already know all of that. You cannot try to ask for something. And that actually brought me a good bit of peace. Like, well, yeah, that even logically makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Now... How early in life did you start to um, did you have these thoughts, uh, like these OCD obsessive uh, thoughts and actions? And did that was that anywhere presenting itself outside of the uh, the faith stuff? Like, I mean, you hear about people who like feel like they have to turn the light switch on and off five times before they right. leave the room, or their mom will die, or something. Like, was there anything like that, or was it mostly yeah. just on faith? Oh man. I, I wish I could say that it did, but honestly, I did do the light switching stuff, but it sure. was it was kind of revolving ar- around the number seven, uh, and uh, it was it was revolving around the direction of up instead of down, like towards heaven instead of towards hell. Um, you know, there were just all sorts of rituals in my head, and I I'm, I would I would venture to guess that it was probably all related to spirituality. Yeah. I I can't really, can't really think of ways in which it was not related to that. Yeah. Which, I mean, if, if spirituality is, you know, overwhelming and uh, overshadowing your entire life as much as it sounds like it was, I I mean, you probably can't even remember anything outside of spirituality in any way. And I mean, yeah. And it, and it all boils down to if, if there's like this eternal torture chamber that people are consciously uh, burning forever, then uh, honestly, it's worth the OCD. It's sure. worth the irrational approach and making sure and uh, putting yourself through that hell on earth. Well, at least you get to avoid hell. Right. And I just, uh, you know, I, I think that's why I'm so cautious not to try and spend feed my kids in a particular uh, – well, I'll I'll rephrase that. I am very intentional with never communicating anything about God to my kids that's fear-based because I don't think there's anything to be afraid of. And there are some fear notions that some of my kids have picked up on, and I have no idea where. And the only thing I could imagine is just the general notions of evangelicalism Mm -hmm. given – I pastor one of those churches and they hear stuff from the teachers that I legitimately oversee. And so I don't feel like it's something that I need to uh, abandon altogether, but Mm -hmm. I do feel like I need to be very intentional in my conversations with them. Like one of my kids one time lamented on how her faith was just 
not where it needed to be, and she was afraid. And I said, listen, if the God that we believe in exists, then he does not want you to toil with that. So stop. No fear. You don't need, you know, if you don't have faith, you don't have faith. And God still loves you and he's, and he's going to take care of you. And one day maybe you will have, but it's just like, and, and part of it too, is just like, gosh, how tragic is it that so many kids, me being one of them that was confronted with some of these deeper, in my opinion, faulty, but, but deeper spiritual truths that were so Mm -hmm. scary. I mean, it's just like, I want to tell people, just let your kids play hopscotch and be on their <laughs> iPhones and watch TV and, right. and play with their friends, man. Don't don't scare them. <laughs> right. Yeah, and but, but, th- but then again, it all goes back to if you believe in the traditional heaven and hell, then all of it's worth it. You better damn yeah. well indoctrinate your kids. Right. Yeah, I, I, I get that. And um uh, I've been asked the question many times on uh, our forum and on our show and stuff like that, um, whether or not teaching your children about hell is child abuse. Because, yeah. and I, I've said the same thing. Like, if you believe that it's real, then you'd be abusing your child not to teach them about right. hell. But if yeah, it's not real, then maybe making them live in fear is. Uh, I don't really have an answer because I I can't confirm or deny whether or not hell exists one hundred percent. So, yeah. what are your what are your what's your take on that? On whether or not it exists? Well, yeah, and whether or not it's child abuse, I suppose, yeah. if you think it doesn't. I mean, I, I would agree with your rationale. It is it is definitely not child abuse if it's real. Mm-hmm. And I would even go so far as to say, you know what, if a parent suspects that it could be real, then I don't blame them for trying to indoctrinate. It just so happens that for me, and, and this is not someone – speaking and, and and you know I, I understand where people are coming from and I understand that a lot of people will write me off as uh, a heretic and obviously sure. making my own rules and straying away from the Bible but I'll still put it out there how I see it this is not coming from a person who has stopped talking to God who has stopped seeking him seeking him who has lost uh, a peace that passes all understanding like I I have access to to this and again some people could say well yeah it's a faulty access you're not really hearing from the lord because you're not believing correctly but I am fully convinced that the concept of of hell and people being tortured forever just does not make sense it doesn't make logical sense it doesn't make sense in light of god it doesn't make sense in light of scripture i mean i there's a podcast that I've listened to called Rethinking Hell, and he, I mean, Chris Date would destroy anybody in a debate in the concept of annihilationism over eternal conscious torment. I mean, and and he'll take it verse by verse. Any verse that you can think of to throw his way, he will give you a very thorough, detailed explanation. A lot of it has to do with Old Testament prophecy and the words that they're using in the New Testament. They're just assuming you know what these mean. And so his whole basis is, no, people aren't tortured forever. They're destroyed forever. That's what eternal punishment means, is you are forever gone. Now, I am actually, I feel like there's some verses that lend some credibility to Jesus being the hero of every person who's ever lived. I don't think I have fully fledged, uh, bought into that, but uh, I definitely think that there is a possibility that uh that that is the case i'm i'm hopeful like i would call myself a hopeful universalist but also reading you know the bible pretty carefully it it, it's it's definitely not a not a shoe in for that by any means 
But I, I just, I mean, I, I am so beyond worried about hell and friends of mine going to hell and family and my kids and all of that. I just, I just, just don't care about them anymore, not, right? It just does. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it just not, does not make any sense. Yeah, man. I mean, that's on them. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. In the book you talked about, uh, I mean, you gave a bunch of different examples of uh, stories of the, just this, uh, this crazy spiral that you were on where you felt like, you know, if you didn't wear, go to school and wear witness wear, which is like, right. you know, the cheesy mm-hmm. Christian t-shirts, you're, you could be responsible for somebody's soul and somebody going right. to hell. Um, yeah. Yeah, dig into there, that there, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That, well, there is a verse that kept me further imprisoned and that was, I think it's in James where it says to know the good things to do and not to do them is is sin. So what that did is not only did I feel guilty about the bad things that I did and felt like I needed to repent for those, but I was also constantly thinking about the stuff that I hadn't done that I needed to do. Stuff as trivial as, I don't know if I put this in the book or not, but I was helping my boss move his art gallery from one location to another. And one thing that I was carrying was like a glass shelf. And I remember nicking the corner of it on the edge of the building and being like, oh, my gosh. And it was pretty insignificant. But at the same time, I was like, I probably need to tell him. But for some reason, I just didn't tell him. And then weeks go by. And finally, I get to the point where it's nagging at me, but I was like, well, now it's going to sound insane if I say, hey, you know that time we moved, like, uh, you know, literally it's like a year gone by. You know that time we moved a year uh, ago, I accidentally chipped a little piece of glass off the shelf, but I felt like that sin will be on me until I do that because it's like it's like ongoing sin because I'm continually not doing the right thing so it's mm-hmm. continually on me and that's the only way to get rid of it and even even before moving beyond a lot of this sort of theology that I bought into I even realized the senselessness of that and that if if the grace of God was real then that means that it's all of God's doing salvation is and it's it's none of our doing so I was I was able to wrestle that one down sure. fairly early in all of this I was going to ask, like, when you're having these thoughts about yourself and whether or not it meant that you were a bad person for not owning up to every single tiny little thing in your entire life, uh, and that might mean you're going to tell – I mean, was there anybody in your life where you're like, obviously that person's not going to hell? I mean, I can't imagine thinking in the way that you were, but I also can't imagine that uh, you could look around and not see – how bad everybody else is and think, you know, everybody's going to hell. If we all, if the world blew up right now, then nobody would be, nobody would be safe because they're not constantly repeating these prayers over and over again. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, a a couple of things there is as an adult now, I can look back and realize how silly this was, but I was definitely under a delusion that everyone that put their hands in the air and clapped their hands at church and said kind things about God they were totally legit, 100% living for the Lord, did not have any sins in their closet or anything. I just, I felt like, okay, these are the people that do it right. right. And this is this is obviously who I need to aspire to be like. And then my dad, he had gone through a lot of the mental, spiritual trauma that I was undergoing. And so he was able to walk me through certain things. And, you know, honestly, I, I feel like he... 
he ended up at a place that I have moved beyond. And I don't mean beyond as far as I'm more informed uh, than him. But, you know, he really did camp out on some very simple promises in the Bible that I feel has been good for him and probably God's intent, such as the simplicity of ask and you shall receive. You know, for him, it was just like, look, it's not complicated. If I ask God to save me, he's going to save me where I think I have kind of I'll still hang on to that a little bit, but I've just moved beyond that from the standpoint of, my gosh, there's so many things I don't understand. I don't know what this means or what that means. I can kind of suspect what this or that means. And I do get something out of Scripture, but then I, there's always a second guess as to, you know, is this really from God? Was Paul really inspired? And just all this mm-hmm. stuff to where I, I really lean on my personal uh, communion with God. And again, I understand what Christians would do with that. They'd say, well, if that's detached from the Bible, you can't trust it. And I understand that, but I would also implore people to understand that this is coming from someone who has, at least in my own way, been seeking God for for 35 years. I mean, ever since I was in the single digits. Mm-hmm. And it a lot of it was rooted in fear, and it, there was never this time where I put my middle finger up to God and said, okay, screw this, I'm out of here. Like it, There was always a diligence mm-hmm. in seeking him, seeking freedom, seeking truth, and here I am, and I there's no going back, and I cannot express the the peace that I feel, and it's like if I were to try to reel it in and go back to an evangelical fundamentalist sort of point of view, I, I, I could literally just feel myself going against the spirit. Mm-hmm. And so uh, maybe I'm deceived. And, you know, <laughs> I, as far as my upbringing, obviously, and I've talked about this on Bad Christian before, there's that tiny, tiny, tiny little piece of me that's just like, what if I am just classically backslidden? Sure. I have I have turned from the truth. My heart is hardened and I am going to be punished forever and ever. And yep. there's just no way. I mean, we were warned about it. We were warned right. like it's going to be easy. It's, it's just going to happen one day when you start listening right. to these things and watching these things. Suddenly you're going to think like the world and you're going to be of the world yep. if you don't follow these rules. And right. of course. Yeah. And so, and, and so the, the only thing I would say to that is if that's the case, then the enemy is literally pawning himself off as the God of all comfort, which it seems like the Bible warns against that as well. But then I would say, you know what? If God would allow that to happen to someone who only wanted to do what's right, right. <laughs> who, who even served God, believing in the concept of hell and, and surrendered everything and had nights of turmoil and pain and suffering and just wanting to do what's right and wanting to be in the right place, and then he allows an enemy to steer me in the wrong direction, then, I mean— what am I to do with that? Right, I mean, right. <laughs> there's nothing I can do. Then then I would say God is part of the evil side for allowing that to happen, and we're just all screwed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. There's no way to look at it. Yeah, if you can do every single thing in your power and still fall well, – I mean, we still fall short, but and still like fall short right. enough that he's like, well, you didn't do good enough because you right. believed – you believed one. Th- you didn't interpret these words exactly how I said. So exactly. I mean, ima- imagine that's on you, my, man. <laughs> right. Exactly. Imagine my son constantly on his tippy toes saying, "Dad, all I want to do is please you," and this is genuine. It's from the heart. Like <laughs> I'm scared that you're going to punish me, and all I want to do is do what's right. 
But then because he was thinking the wrong stuff, <laughs> I just dismissed his effort, dismissed his intentions, dismissed his motivation, and just said, yeah, sorry, you're not thinking correctly. And add on so, top of that, you imagine you actually created his brain from nothing right. and gave him those thoughts. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. It's, it's, it's interesting for sure. Yeah. So <clears throat> um, what else we got here? Um, I really enjoyed the, the – <laughs> story about the the skater girl uh yeah. because uh i was pentecostal pk and uh my wife was a uh, was southern baptist girl and uh well before we got married we had the the conversation with her dad of uh the once saved always saved stuff and i i mean i was just taught you know this is what it is and i you never question it it's right. just what you were taught right. and then yeah. <laughs> the first time i met my now father-in-law um we had i was like 16 and we had the conversation of um, he was like, so if, if my friend who died, didn't say a prayer before they died, did they go to hell? I was like, I'm 16. I'm not going to sit right. here and tell you your friends in hell, but right. yes, <laughs> like yeah. from, from what I've been told, then yeah, I, I would hope that you, you do know more than me given that you're a 40 year old man, but you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy to uh, assume that somebody at that age has any clue about anything, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just put, it just put, it is just such a crummy situation to be in, to have the, the weight of people's souls on your hands and, and, and a God constantly looking down and not being satisfied with, with what you're doing. It's just, uh, it's, it's a mess, man. I, I really do sometimes think about how extraordinarily amazing it is. And I don't mean that in a good way of all the billions of people in the world. I was seeing through such a narrow view. I mean, so not only was I a a Christian, which does not, um, I don't, it's not even close to the majority of human beings, but also uh, Pentecostal, also Church of God, and Mm -hmm. also this certain brand of church of God. And I literally thought I was right and right. <laughs> everybody else was wrong. Right. My view of the Bible, my view of hell, my view of God, how things work. Out. Like I was convinced that our, our way was right. And what, I mean, what does that mean to everybody else? <laughs> I mean, my gosh. And I really do think that we're going to end up in whatever the afterlife is. I mean, I personally believe that the the God of the Bible is going to be our afterlife. And I do believe that heaven and earth will come together and all things on earth will be redeemed and all of that. But I really do think that 99.9% of all there is to know is not known right now. Mm -hmm. And, and the amount that we know about God and understand about spirituality and life and all of that is just this, uh, the tiniest little bit and i think that that is that is okay and the little bit that maybe we are on the right track with is maybe god's grace to show us that but i think you know if you're a being that created all of this and created humans to enjoy him and creation to be enjoyed and recognizing just how fleeting life is and how short-lived it is i would imagine that i'd be uh, you know, as God, it'd be like, okay, everything's going to be all right. These people are going through suffering. It breaks my heart, but it's just going to be for a short time, and we're all going to be together, and we've got forever to 
understand things and for me to make it up for them and, and all of that. But, you know, I, I realize how senseless that sounds to people that don't believe as well, but mm. that's, that's kind of what I believe. <sighs> okay. I've personally been asked multiple times, like, given the ups and downs and some of the crazy stuff that I I feel like I was taught, I've had bouts with atheism and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I, I do currently believe in God. Um, I've been asked, you know, why Why do you? Um, what is there, like, how could you possibly go back to that thing? How For you especially, like, with all the punching down that life has given you, <laughs> um, right. like, God... God dealt you a pretty pretty tricky hand to work with, and you, you're still sticking with it. Uh, what's the reason for that? Um, well, I think for me, the existence of God just makes more sense than non-existence of God. Like, as far as how everything came about in the universe, it doesn't really make a whole lot of—it makes no sense for it to have all come from nothing. And then to think of some inanimate, or, or not inanimate, but something that is— like an unconscious impersonal force just always existing. That doesn't make sense either. So it seems like there had to have always been an intelligent being that far exceeds our understanding that was always here. That's the only thing that really makes sense. So that's a starting point, but then it's like, okay, well then who, who is that being? And all I can say is I really have been seeking who this is for my whole life. And so the the main stuff that I camp out on are the are the stakes in the ground throughout my life to where I just can't explain it any other way than saying God intervened. And I personally now can look back on the tumultuous nightmare of my of aspects of my childhood and teenage years and, and all of that and now see uh, the good that that is coming out of it as far as me being able to articulate things in a way that maybe other people who haven't undergone that sort of thing can't. Mm -hmm. And then also just the trajectory of my faith and outlook becoming more and more progressive. It's like, I can understand, you know, both extremes and, and for me to sit here and feel sorry for myself, uh, about having some mental and spiritual heartache and turmoil, Mm-hmm. I mean, let, let's let's just face it. If that's a problem, then we haven't even scratched the surface because I know of a whole group of people who, and I'm not trying to sound, you know, bizarre or random, but it, th- this is near and dear to my heart lately when I think about it, is the millions of people that were hauled into ships in right. the most unimaginably horrible conditions and maybe even born on one of those ships and then when they're old enough to know what's going on they're going out into a field and 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 working in the most horrible conditions their health isn't uh you know cared about or anything and end up being a slave for 65 years and then die and that's their whole life right i mean and you compare <laughs> my life to that and mine is a cakewalk at least i lived in an air-conditioned house and got a free education and had christmas presents to open on <laughs> december the 25th right you know so uh for me to say wow that's really messed up for god to allow me to go through all that well then we we got more problems to talk about <laughs> right <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. Um, now, I 
I don't want to ask you to tell the penis story, but I got to at least ask, yeah. are you tired of telling the penis story? <laughs> nah, I don't care. I'm sure that matter. I'm sure that every every podcast that you're on, they're like, no, right. talk about your right. penis. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it just it just to me, it it makes very logical sense. I mean, you know, this the snapshot is when you're a little kid and you see your dad's. You see it in such a magnificently large light, and I'm seeing that with my sons. I mean, they marvel at my penis. They're like they. I mean, they Strange literally. They, yeah, they literally. I just, say I just I, present it in front of them on a on like a, a pedestal, and I'm like, check it out, guys. And yeah, they're yeah. Like, well, I mean, just simply, just simply saying, boys, get in the shower with me. You got to get clean. Sure. Yeah. And they're just. I mean, they have literally uttered the words. I cannot believe how big that is. I, and I'm telling you, just man to man, it ain't that. <laughs> above average so it's just these little kids being like i can't believe this well right. soon i would say in about three or four years we're going to be beyond those years of them seeing that so in their head they're always going to have this larger than life conception right. of what mine looks like and so for me i don't know if it was it was definitely a hint of mental illness and all of that i just kept expecting that sort of size for myself and so then you take the fact that I was struggling with sexual sin and I felt like I had uh, pleasured myself too early in my life. I felt like I had stunted its growth. And so <laughs> I was super scared that I had messed myself up for good and, um, you know, in into, uh, you know, up up until even getting engaged, I was still worried. I was like, did I mess it? You know, is my wife really going to be upset? And so the, the punchline of all of this is I – I whipped that little boy out and showed my dad to ask him if I was all right. He said I was all right. So <laughs> I was they haven't relieved. spoken since. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my dad died of a heart attack right there, but I was good to go. <laughs> yep, heart attack of the the massive size. He was just so wowed by it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. So with all the, uh, I mean, we didn't even get into much on the like the depression side of things too, which is another facet to your story. But uh, yep. like with all the OCD and the depression and the things that uh, you're working through in life, uh, like how are you doing now? Like, is this something that uh, you're pretty well past, or is it still something you struggle with? Uh, the depression in general is not something that I'm completely past. I just feel like I am over time acquiring more and more tools to uh, combat it. Uh, combat it with, uh, you know, some of it is just longevity of recognizing the senselessness of certain thoughts and just growing up and, and becoming more mature in, in how I view life. But then some of it is through reading books, listening to some podcasts, uh, getting counseling, um, medication, and all of that. So I'm at a way healthier place now than I would say I've ever been since the early 90s, like in, in, in middle school or whatever, but there's definitely, I think that I'm the type of person that is just predisposed to that sort of thing. And so I, I think it will always be a struggle to some degree. And I also think that it's, you know, when, when we talk about it being a chemical thing, there literally is like a chemical pattern that your brain learns and that it takes a really long time to to unlearn and for those knots to be untied. And I think that maybe maybe I'll never completely get to the bottom of it. Yeah. You know, maybe I'll never be able to literally clear it off and uh, kind of have like a fresh start. But I, you know, I do. I do strive for that, and I do recognize the importance of, of putting uh, – I mean, honestly, I think 
mental health is probably the most important thing, period, because I, I really do think if you're mentally unhealthy, then your, your relationship with God is going to be jacked sure. up and messed up. So I feel like it is a, a, a top priority. Um, but yeah, I still have, you know, but where, whereas I would have maybe, um, three weeks of, of hell out of the month and then maybe, uh, Not literal seven, hell, like metaphorical right, hell, right? Right. Metaphorical <laughs> hell. And then Don't like seven, here. Yeah. <laughs> and then seven days of being like, kind of numb, mm-hmm. you know, that was, that was my life 15 years ago or so. Now I would say maybe, four days out of the month are, are, are pretty challenging. Um, and then maybe three days out of the month, I'm kind of dumb. Um, and then outside of that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Well, good. That's great to hear. (laughs) What do you have? I mean, do you have something to to say to like, uh, if there's somebody out there that is young Joey right now, who's going through this type of thing or who is even just uh, who's going through like the Pentecostal beliefs and struggling right. with that. Um, you said that, you know, you, you feel bad for yourself at that age. If you could go back, what would you tell yourself uh, with the mental clarity that you have now? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that I would say to be careful of the narrow view that you're, that you're looking through. And if God is infinite, then there at the very least, there is way more for you to understand and know and be with, open your heart up to that. And this is something that I will say, and you can take it or leave it, but I'm fully convinced that God made us to enjoy him. And Mm -hmm. so if that is true, which I can't think of any other reason God, a loving God would create us. I mean, if a loving God creates us to see what we'll do and what we'll choose and then have some punishments lined up for the folks that mess up, I just cannot rationalize that being loving anymore. And now I also readily admit that I am a finite human being and maybe I'm seeing the whole thing wrong and maybe that is how it works. I'm just not convinced of that anymore. And so I would encourage that person to really try to think outside of what you've been thinking because right now all it's causing is pain and shame and, and bondage and that can't be God's will for you. And then the other piece, maybe there's some people that really don't care about faith right now and they struggle uh, with, with bad mental health. My thing would be if you are actively pursuing help, then that's that's the very least that you can do. I would just try to cover all of your bases, go after everything, you know, healthy eating, eliminate some sugar from your diet, exercise, stretch, take fish oil, take antidepressants, get counseling, uh, you know, do everything you possibly can. Um, and, and if you're not, if you, if you're just saying I'm depressed, there's nothing I can do and you're not being proactive, then I hate that for you. Cause I really do feel like you are going to be in that as, as long as you will allow yourself to be. Yeah. And that's kind of on you, you know, it's yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very well put. Uh, do you see, um, a time in your life in the foreseeable future that you could not like not be on the medication or is that just an accepted thing for the time? being? It's an, it's an accepted thing for me. Um, Mm -hmm. now I'm, I'm certainly open to it, but I, I do feel at this juncture, it would have to be a huge awakening in my life, um, from God making it abundantly clear to stop, 
um, or uh, the discovery of some natural way that science discovers, but it, it would have to be a very extreme, obvious direction for me to go because I have recently, as in the last four years, uh, had to transition from one medication to the other. And so I went through a period of time where I was just completely clean of it. And I was a mess, man. We're talking OCD, uh, very extreme. I, I'll, I'll never forget laying in bed and I had like a budget app and there was something that I wanted to check and I checked it. And next thing I know, within two minutes, I had checked it probably about 14 times and I could not stop. And my mind was just completely cluttered with there's so much to do and I need to be doing it, but I don't know where to start. And it was just bombarded with so much to do and just all these things floating around. I mean, I, 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 I don't think that I can make it without it or at least in a healthy way. So sure. that's just my lot. And, you know, if it's my uh, maybe it's the thorn in my side that keeps me humble and that shows that I, I need God. And some people would say, well, if you need God and get off the medication. But I don't, <laughs> that's some bullshit, man. Right. I don't listen to that. <laughs> God wants me to be miserable. It's my penance in life for, uh, yes. for and, not and wearing hates- those Christian T-shirts every day. Right, right. So. And God hates doctors that create medication that can help people's mental health. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, above uh, above all, um, I really appreciate and respect your, your honesty and your openness. I think that, especially as a pastor, we need way, way, way more of that um, on your podcast, uh, both of them in your, uh, your book and everything else. So um, my hat goes off to you. Um, I think you're doing a great job, and I really appreciate you being here, man. Well, I appreciate it, man, and thanks for your time. Thanks for letting me be on here, and uh, thank you so much. Absolutely. Now, go ahead and uh, plug your stuff. Tell everybody where they can find out all about uh, you, your church, your podcast, your book, and everything you got going on, man. Yeah, well, I pastor at Temper for right now until I get fired. I pastor at <laughs> Seacoast uh, Church. You can go to seacoast.org, and I mean, if you're in the southeast, you can maybe go go visit a campus. Um Bad Christian Podcast. You can go to badchristian.com. We actually have a conference in Dallas. And so if you're in the Texas area or if you just love this interview and you're like, I got to hang out with him and his friends, then you can hop on an airplane, come to Dallas. And then I do a uh, solo podcast where we we really explore uh, faith and tragedy and uh, with a lot of open mindedness. And that's called Pastor With No Answers. People can go to pastorwithnoanswers.com. So, Very cool. Um, the book that you're referring to, you can find it at our uh, Bad Christian store, but I think you can also go to fundamentalistpastor.com. But yeah, you can just go to badchristian.com and find all of that. And I think we made it through the entire episode without mentioning the name of the book <laughs> until now, but it's it is yeah. called Fundamentalist uh, Stories of a Mentally Ill, Obsessive, Compulsive, Legalistic Youth Group Kid Turned Pastor. So Yes, sir. Check it out. It's fantastic. I read it, which means a lot because I don't read, but... Uh, Uh, Joey, thank you so much for being here. I'd love to have you on again in the future. And especially, I want to talk to you sometime about conspiracies because I know that uh, the people you hang out with don't appreciate that very much, but we do here. (laughs) Awesome, man. Yep, sounds good. Cool, cool. Well, you have a good one, and I'll talk to you later. All right.